Welcome to Down with Joe DeRosa. One topic, one hour, no guest today. Not even Ernie. I don't even have my man Ernie here because I'm on the road. I am touring currently on the road. Well, I'm not really touring. I'm interested in New York doing shows just in New York City. Uh, I was sort of touring before this, and now I'm here. Uh, but we're here, and I wanted to get you guys an episode. I'm going to apologize that uh, I can't uh, deliver the usual audio quality that we do. As I said, I am Ernie-less, uh, and I kind of have to work with the equipment I have here. Uh, and I'm actually recording in a friend's apartment at the moment. So I don't know. There might be little noises and things and stuff happening. I can't, you know, I, I try my best. I try my best for you people, you know? So leave me alone. Anyway, topic today, the road. That's what I want to talk about, the road, because I'm on the road, you know? I kind of want to try to start doing some of these podcasts as a sort of on-location thing where the topic is relevant to the location that we're recording in. Usually we're in my apartment and we can talk about whatever we want, but I figured, hey, if I'm out here traveling, having this experience, I'd like to talk about it. Why not? So, uh, you know, the road, it's, it's, I've said before on this show, it's, it's a blessing and a curse, you know? Uh, first off, let's start with positive. It's really an exhilarating experience, you know? You, you, you go out, uh, you get on stage every night, you do multiple shows, uh, you get paid to do the things you want to do. I just did a show right before I recorded this. I have another show to do right after I'm done recording this. How great is that? Two shows sandwiching a podcast. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it feels like a very charmed life in many ways. And the fact that it's a living is amazing to me. The filth I said on that stage downstairs. I'm actually above my favorite club in New York City right now, The Stand. This is my favorite place to work out. Uh, and, and I'm not slighting any other clubs. I love headlining Gotham and, and Caroline's, and I have a lot of fun over there. But as far as the showcase clubs are concerned, where you get to hop up and do 12 minutes, 15 minutes, and work on some stuff and grind out the new material and whatever, uh, this, this place is my spot, and they've been very good to me. Uh, so check it out when you're in New York. And I'm not just saying that because I'm, you know, perhaps in the presence of one of the owners. I'm saying it for real. I mean it. The stand. Check it out. It's a great spot. But people, enough of the accolades. The filth I was spewing out on their stage moments ago. And then you know what I did right after? I walked upstairs and a lady handed me money. You can't beat that. You know what I'm going to do later? Spew out more filth. Three more shows tonight. All over the audience, right in their fucking faces. You know what I mean? I'm going to spew it all out. And then a lady's going to hand me money three more times tonight. And then I'm going to take that money. I'm going to walk to the beautiful bar they have upstairs. And I'm going to put it, I'm going to put a 20 down. And I'm going to drink things that the bartender gives me. I'm going to get a little tipsy with my comedian pals. And we're going to spew filth out at each other until horrific stories and laugh our balls off and it's going to be a fucking blast and I get to go home at two o'clock in the morning or three o'clock or four o'clock and go all in a day's work how great is that that's awesome I feel so lucky I'm not gloating I'm not bragging I'm, I'm just telling you I feel lucky I appreciate that that's my job it's a lot of fun 
It's a lot of fun. Uh, and I can't stress enough that you get to spew filth out on stage. I mean, comics, we say shit on stage. You would get fired. It's beyond you'd get fired. You'd, there'd be sexual harassment suits. The shit that we say if you said it at your office job or even at another job, office, factory, warehouse, whatever it is, you couldn't say half of the shit. Maybe in a factory warehouse, I don't know. But you know what I'm saying. It's just amazing to me that we get paid to do this. So, so I appreciate that, you know. And I appreciate that instead of people filing harassment charges or, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, or complaining or firing us, the audience is sitting there and, and clapping and laughing and saying, you were great. You were great. Really? I called my Nana a cunt. We loved it. We thought it was just spectacular. Oh, hey, to each his own, I guess. So it's great. You know, the road is a lot of fun. Uh, and, and there's nothing like, for me, coming back to the East Coast, seeing all the guys that I haven't seen in a while since I've been out in L.A., um, you know, it's, there's a real great spirit of uh, camaraderie in the New York comedy scene. And I love, I love being back here, man. I love being back here. Uh, but here's the hard part. Since I've been on the road, been completely off my exercise routine, 100% off of it, just not even coming close to doing it. I'm walking. That's, that's my exercise on the road. I'm walking like a 67-year-old woman. Did you walk today, Granny? Yeah, I walked. That, that's, that's what I'm doing for exercise. I, I, was, I was doing push-ups, sit-ups, squats. I was doing all that shit. Not doing it out here. Why? Because, well, really, because most of the time that I've been uh, in New York, I've been staying with a friend. And, uh, you know, you feel like a fucking idiot doing push-ups in another guy's house. You know? He's going to see you or he's going to hear you. You know, when you're alone and you're exercising, you can just be alone and exercising. You don't care, you know. So if you're making noises like, whoa, whoa, you know, all those retarded exercise noises you make, you, you know, you could do those when you're alone. You don't care. But when there's another person in earshot, you feel pretty stupid. So it's one of the reasons I don't go to the gym. I don't, uh, I just don't, you know, it's like I can't do it. I look too stupid when I run on the treadmill. I look too goofy when I ride the, the little stationary bike. And I make noises that sound crazy. So I don't, uh, I don't like going to a gym. I like to work out. And pr I work out like I'm doing heroin. I shut all the doors. I pull the curtains down. I don't want anybody to see a fucking thing. I just, it's totally it's, it's shameful. That's what I'm getting at. Anyway, I'm off my exercise routine. I'm off my diet. Oh, Jesus Christ. How can you stick to a diet in New York? It's, it's just too, there's just too much food temptation everywhere. Just too much food temptation. Also, New York's not a cheap city, obviously. And I'm not saying anything new. We all know that. But, I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, you know, you want to kind of come and crash here for, for two weeks and live affordably you know, you're not eating a nice meal every day, you know, three times a day. You, you know, you're going to eat some pizza. You're going to get a sandwich. You're going to, you know, you, you, you cut a few corners. The next thing you know, you're off your diet again. You know, that's the hard thing. 
living in New York is a lot easier than visiting New York, in my opinion. Because when you live here, you know your hustles. Like, all right, I'm going to go to this supermarket because that's the, that's the affordable one. I know how much I need to spend on groceries this week. I'll make sure I eat this many meals at home. You know, if I got to go out, this is the way I'm going to take when I go. Subway's cheap, so I'll, do, I'll hit that instead of taking a cab. And then, you know, fuck that bar over there. This bar's got a drink special. We'll hit that one and get cheap drinks. And You, you got to learn your hustles in this city, man. Because you're just walking around, plopping a, plopping a credit card down wherever you go. I mean, you, you're, you're going to be in some serious bad financial shape. So, in the, in the uh, interest of trying to save some cash, I'm, I'm way off my, uh, my eating uh, regiment. Um, but I do that all on the road all the time. I, you know, I'm talking like as if I wasn't in New York, I wouldn't be doing these things. If I wasn't in New York, I'd still be exercising because I'd probably be in a hotel um, right now, instead of staying with some friends, um, and then then I'd be exercising probably because I'd be the have the privacy of my room. Um, however, the food thing probably not. You know that's the thing. The road can get lonely. You know, as much as you can do shows, and people can laugh, and people can clap, and people can cheer, it can be lonely. So you look to kind of fill the void a little bit in your own ways. And look, you don't want to get shit-canned every night. I mean, some guys do. All right, do I want to? Of course I want to. You can't. you got to be somewhat productive. Um, so, you know, I try not to dump it all into to having a bunch of drinks after the shows all the time. And then you're like, all right, well, then what am I going to do? All right, well, I guess I'll go back to the room because I don't want to just hang out at the bar and not drink. That's stupid. What am I going to do in the room? Ah, oh, shit, I already wrote today and... I don't know. There's nothing really that good on the hotel in demand, and uh, you know. And then that's when your that's when your head goes to Seven Eleven, two hot dogs, bag of Doritos, chocolate milk, and I get excited. I get excited about a, a shitty meal like that. Shitty only in the sense of like it's not good for you. It tastes delicious. That's one of my favorite meals of all time on the road. Two hot dogs from Seven Eleven, the big big bites, the quarter pound big bites. A 99-cent bag of Doritos. I'll go Cool Ranch a lot of the time with this. I don't know why. It's just how I started doing it, so that's how I kind of keep doing it. And a chocolate milk, like a big Nestle's Quick. Oh, oh my God, I'm getting excited just thinking about it. But you can't eat that all the time. It's bad for you. That's the kind of shit I'll eat on the road because it's comfort food to me. You know, it's comfort food. I'm like, oh, now going back to the room doesn't seem so bad. Now I can lay down with some hot dogs. Did you ever lay in the bed and eat a hot dog? You haven't fucking lived. You haven't fucking lived till you laid in a bed and ate a hot dog and knew that there was a backup hot dog for when you were done with that one. Just in case you needed it, maybe you won't be able to finish the whole thing. But you know there's enough there. You know there's enough there. Bobby Kelly and I used to talk about that all the time. Back when uh, I used to do the You Know What Dude podcast with him. Uh, we would always talk about like, like the strategy of ordering food and how you'd order something, but you'd always, like, you, we'd always order more than we needed because you wanted the comfort of knowing it was there, that it was there to, to, to help you out, you know, just in case. I just dropped the phone. Jesus. See, people, that's 
That's part of the... I'm not even going to have Ernie edit that out. That's part of the road. That's part of recording a podcast on the run. All right? On the run, on the road. However you, however you want to phrase it. Sometimes the uh, phone that you're recording into falls. By the way, I'm recording this on an iPhone. I know earlier I said... I don't know. I tried to make it sound like I had real equipment to do this, but... I got into a pinch and had to do this on the phone, so I apologize. I don't apologize. What am I apologizing? It's a free fucking podcast, and I'm doing my best to make sure we stay releasing one every Monday. It's the first time I've ever had to give you one that wasn't fully engineered by a professional. So I don't, I'm not sorry. Okay? Leave me alone. Anyway, back to the food thing. Uh, we The food strategy of, of ordering enough or it's not enough it's ordering extras you know it's there i do that a lot on the road i do that a lot you know i sit and i go okay i'm gonna get i'll go to like okay i'll go to like uh like a drive-thru okay this is what i did i went to taco bell i got uh it was so late they had the beef and potato burritos i don't know if you've had those yet but if you haven't you're really missing out. You need to go do this for yourself. It's it's beef and potato on a burrito, as you might have guessed, per the name. It's a beef and potato burrito. Chunks of potato, ground beef on a burrito. That's it. Oh, and then they put, they put a sour cream on it. <coughs> Excuse me. They put sour cream on it, but I tell them to hold the sour cream because I just like the flavor of the meat with the potato together. So I go to Taco Bell. Uh, I got uh, two of those. I wanted two. I knew one was going to be enough. I want two. And I also got four tacos, and I added tomato and all the tacos. And I was like, you know what? It's too much, but I know I got enough. I know I got, I go, I know I got enough there if I need it. And you know what? I finished every fucking bite of it. And I wasn't proud of myself, but I did. That's one of the pitfalls of the road. Comfort food. Comfort food. You don't want to just go back and sit in the room. I, you know, people say sometimes like a marriage is hard if you're on the road. I think a marriage, I wish I was married to be, like that would make the road easier at least. Maybe it would make my marriage harder, but. Because then I wouldn't, you know, you got somebody to call when you get back to the room. Maybe you don't feel the need to. To you know, fill your fill the void in your in your soul with you know six candy bars or something. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe that makes it a little easier. Being single is is like the like 110 percent of my motivation to do anything bad on the road. That's why you want to go out and drink. That's why you want to eat shitty. That's why you want to sleep late. That's why you want you want to do all these things because. You just get in that single man's mindset where you're like, all right, let's go out and party. Who cares? What am I going to do? Go sit in the room by myself? Hey, I got to go sit in the room by myself? All right, let's get a bunch of food so I can down that and I have something to do and that's an activity then I'll pass out. Hey, I might as well sleep late. What do I got to get up early for? You know, to call who? I'm, you know, let me sleep in. You know, it's... I think being single makes the road a little harder. A lot of guys would say it makes it easier because then you can you know, chase after girls and stuff, and, and, uh, and I guess, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather be in a relationship on the road. That, that to me would, uh, would, would make it all, all, all the more tolerable. And I don't mean to say tolerable, it's negative. I like doing this. 
Again, I feel charmed that I get to do this. Uh, but, you know, you got to balance out. I'll tell you the toughest thing that's happened since I've been out here on the road. I saved this because this is a little heavy. I didn't want to open with this. I wanted to save this for, for after. You know, we talked about food. We talked about booze. We've talked a little bit about girls, relationships. Do you have sex on the road? Sometimes you do. I'm not going to lie and say I never have, you know? Sometimes you do. Sometimes that's fun, you know? Sometimes it's not. It's like any other kind of sex. Uh, so we talked about all the fun stuff and the little things. This is kind of heavy. This is what gets tough. My aunt died while I was out here. My aunt died while I was out here. That was a tremendously tough thing to deal with. I was very close with my aunt. She was like a second mother to me. Uh, and she's the, let me think for a second, one, two, three, four, five, fifth person in the last four to five years of my family that has died. We have lost four major players in my family. Uh, oh, five, uh, no, I'm sorry, five, it was five major players. Six, I'm wrong, it was six people. We've lost. We lost both my grandparents on my uh, dad's side. We lost uh, my aunt, my uncle, and my other aunt on my dad's side. That's five. And then we lost my uncle on my mom's side. So that's six people, five years, major players, all right? We're not talking twice removed people here, three times removed, distant cousins. I'm not talking about that. Great aunts or whatever. I'm talking about core group here. Uh, and then look, it's sad when anybody in your family dies, but I'm just saying it's even harder when it's the core group. So, uh, you know, man, that happens and you still got to do shows. You know, man, that's a whole new different mental place to, to, to explore. It was one I haven't had to explore until now um because when my other family members died well no that's not true when my grandfather died i remember this i was on the road in um chicago i was doing shows it was saturday night and we were in between the early show and the late show and i went outside to have a cigarette and my phone rang it was my mom calling me and told me my grandfather had died now i knew it was coming he had been sick and I knew the call was coming, but still, I got it in between shows, and I had to go back inside and go on stage for the next show. And, and I was headlining, so I had to do, you know, you do 45 minutes to an hour, whatever it is. And that was that. Like, I just had to go, okay, this is it. This is what we're going to do. So I did. It's almost, it's, it's such a weird, and then I had to do it again with my aunt this time, because she died, and... Uh, I had to actually cancel um, a full weekend. I was supposed to be up in Buffalo, and I had to cancel that. And I was then supposed to be in Toronto. I had to cancel that, too, um, because of the funeral services and everything. And, by the way, I don't mean to sound crass by talking about, uh, and I don't even know if it does sound crass, but talking about, like, work versus the death in the family. But this is one of the things I'm getting at with this road stuff. When you are doing this for a living... There is no sick day. There is no work, workman's comp. There is nothing. It's, it, that's it. There's no vacation time. You don't go to the show. You don't perform. You don't get paid. That's it. It is that 
Simple. So when something like this happens, of course you cancel work. What are you going to do? That's, that's what you do. I, I would never in a million years dream of not doing that. I wanted to be with my family and be there for them uh, and them to be there for me also, too. We were all very sad. And it's a horrible time and you, and you have to come together. Um, so there's never, there would never have been a reason for me not to have canceled work. But at the end of the day, you still have to cancel work. Um, and everybody's very understanding. Yeah, there's death in the family, you know. Everybody from the clubs that I had to, to pull out of were were more than understanding and supportive, which was greatly appreciated. I can't imagine encountering an asshole that would be like, "Well, I know your aunt died, but what about the shows?" You know, it's like, wow. Um, but I did. I did. Still, I did two shows the the night. The day I got the news that she died, I believe it was, I, I did two uh, shows that night because it was, I got the news late in the day and it was that night and, and I was like, all right, I'm going to do these two shows tonight and then I'm going to cancel everything else and, uh, uh, because I got to go home. And I went home the next day and uh, was with my family through the weekend and, uh, and, you know, you have the services. We had, my aunt chose to be cremated, so... You know, you have the wake on we have the wake on Thursday, we have the funeral on Friday, then we have the interment service on Saturday. Uh, and then you spend Sunday with the family just kind of exhaling from all that. Uh, and then I spent Monday with my parents, and I went back to New York on Tuesday to, uh, to get back to work, basically. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's a tough thing, man. It's a tough thing. When you got to, I mean, it's fucking me up now even on stage a little bit because it's not fucking me up on stage like, like I'm having bad shows. It's fucking me up like, because I, I actually, I, I've always, I guess over the last year and a half, I've been writing more and more material about death and dying. And, I, and I've been writing some stuff about my, um, just about that concept in general. And my aunt dying, you know, it, it kind of, kicked my gears into overdrive a little bit in these last few days with writing some more material about that stuff because it's on my mind right now. And so I have little moments sometimes on stage where I'll, I'll kind of start talking about this over the last week. Um, and I'll start talking about, you know, the, the, the topic of death. And then you start thinking about your aunt and then you start getting kind of sad and you got to figure out how to hop over that. You got to figure out, okay, I can't, you can't just, you know, you, you, you can't go down that, that road when you're in the middle of a show. So you got to navigate around it, and you gotta, you got to, you know, put your face on, basically. you got to put your face on. Leave it at the door. That's a showbiz expression, you know? Uh, and it's, it's an old cliche. You leave it at the door. You leave your personal stuff at the door because you have a show to do. And, hey, I fully believe in that. Uh, I guess, motto or credo or whatever you want to call it, philosophy. Uh, I fully, fully believe in that. However, it doesn't mean it's easy to do. Uh, and the road is where you have to do that. The road is where it's like, hey, man, we're out here. We're traveling. Uh, we're in the middle of something. Uh, something bad happened way back home. You just got the news about it. But, hey, we're, we're an hour and a half out from a show, and, and, and that's it. Uh, or sometimes less. In Chicago, it was less. Chicago was like 30 minutes. 
And you just got to go in, you got to put your face on, and you got to do it. You know? So that's the hard part of the job. That's the real hard part. You know, I'm talking about not eating junk food is tough, and I wish I could do my sit-ups. Who cares about any of that shit? The hard part is when you can't be there. When you can't be there, as it happens, with the people you love. Uh, And you say, okay, all right, I understand what's happening. I'll be home as soon as I can. And in the meantime, I got to do this show right now. Right now. That's sort of the trade-off, I feel like. The, the leave-it-at-the-door thing is the trade-off for every time you get unfairly ball-washed by anybody telling you that they thought it was just a special thing when you went up there and told your dick jokes. <laughs> You know, somebody gives you the sweetest compliments about your dick jokes. Like you were like like you like you were you know, up there reading reciting the Iliad or something like that. And then um and you go, This is this is how is this possible? How do you how do you get paid for this? How's this a job? This is a joke. And then when you gotta put your face on and leave your bullshit at the door, that's when you realize like, oh, it is a job. It is a job. And here's this is the most defining moment of it being a job when you have to do this. And it's not just a death in the family. I've been on stage after breakups. Whew. I went through a rough one a few years back. Real vicious one. And uh, I had to I had to be on stage throughout it. And a breakup is, you know, they're not always I don't like you anymore, I don't like you either, we're done, great, take, take it easy, have a nice life. You know, they don't always work like that. Sometimes they're fucking sagas, you know? It's a 12-part miniseries of just emotional havoc and, oh my God, it's just the worst, man. It's just, they can be the worst things ever. And I went through one of those kind, and I had to perform every night as it was happening, and all you want to do is say, I, I'm, I'm, I can't. I can't be there tonight. I've been crying all day. Uh, or I've been screaming all day. Or I've been screaming and crying all day. I can't. And you just can't. You can't. Why is there not, by the way, why is there not some kind of leave for a breakup? Why don't you get like some kind of like sick leave thing for that? Because if somebody close to you dies and you have a regular job, you can take like a little leave for that, you know? They'll let you take a few days and, and get your head together and everything. Why don't you get to, do, or do you? I don't think you do, right? I don't know. It's a great question. If you have the answer, tweet to me after you hear this. Anyway, when you got to go on stage and do that stuff, and I, let me tell you this, this is the real hard part. You can write material about your life, and uh, you can you can be personal on stage and 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 you know and and open up to an audience and everything. But there's a fine line between doing that and going on stage and going. Let me tell you about the fucking bitch that I just broke up with. There's a fine line there. It's one thing to go on stage and go, I'm going through a breakup and it's tough, and and then you're talking about the observations and things that are happening and telling some stories. And then going on stage and just airing your dirty laundry 
and just publicly hating on another person. Those are two very different things. Uh, and when you're going through a breakup and you got to get on stage, all you want to fucking do is air your dirty laundry. You don't give a shit about tact or grace. You don't care at all. You just want to get up there and you if you could pull down a screen and and give a fucking dissertation uh, or a demonstration about why the girl you just broke up with is an asshole, you would. You would. I mean, that's all you want to do. And you can't. You can't. You're getting paid to do a show. You can't do that. It's not fair to the people that came to see a show. It's also not fair to the girl that you broke up with either. I mean, obviously, you know, but it's just, that's just where your head's at in the moment, you know? Theoretically, it's not fair. Maybe some people deserve that kind of treatment, but I, I don't know. That's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about the road. Uh, and, and those are tough moments, man. Those are really tough moments. I'll tell you another horrible thing when you're on the road going through. Well, I, this is more just something that uh, maybe this is supply. I don't know. Maybe, you know what? Forget that thought. It's too general just for all comp. That's just a stand-up thought. Let's, let's, stay, let's stay focused here, people. All right? Just because this is a podcast from the road doesn't mean it's a fucking free-for-all. Just because Ernie isn't here doesn't mean we could do whatever we want. We got to stay on course here. Now let's get back to it. The road. I'll tell you the most trying aspect, the most trying regular aspect of the road for me. Um, the death thing and the breakup thing, those are, excuse me, very trying things, but, um, but they're also very infrequent things. Flying. God almighty Jesus, do I hate flying. I, I can't fucking stand it. And I'm not scared of it. it does, I don't hate it because I'm scared. I don't hate it because I think the plane's going to crash or something like that. I hate it. There could, be no, there, there could not be a more laborious process that you would ever have to go through than the process of boarding an airplane. Uh, or not boarding it, you know what I mean. Like just the start to finish process of flying, getting to the airport. Just that in and of itself. You know, if I drive, where's the lot that's not a ridiculous amount of money every day? And once I park in that lot, how do I get from that lot to the airport? Da, 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 da. All right, forget it. I'm not going to. And then how much will it cost to store my car? Okay, I'm just going to Uber to the airport. Now the Uber guy's late. Uh, I should have called Lyft. Why didn't I call Lyft? I called Uber. And I, well, Jesus, I should just get a taxi. And oh, God damn it, it's costing me $65 just to get to the airport. And then uh, you're in the airport, and the, the, you got to wait in the line just to get to the kiosk, just to get to the kiosk thing. The kiosk, I don't know if you young folks remember, when those kiosks first came out, they were the shit. They were the shit. That was the way to avoid ever walking up to that desk. It was like when you went to the movies, and you just went to that little ticket thing and bought the tickets with the screen instead. By the way, why does nobody do that? Every time I go to the theater, there is a line of people at the box office. 
They got 87 of those little iPod screen things where you can buy the tickets. Nobody's using them. People just like standing in lines. I honestly think it's that group mentality thing. They see a couple other people standing in the line and they're like, nah, something's up. Something's up with those little kiosks. I'm not fucking with those things. There's something that must have happened. They're stealing credit card numbers or something. I don't know what it is. I cruise right up every time, get my tickets immediately, look over, and they see you doing it. The people standing in the line see you doing it, and they don't move. They just watch you do it. And they don't, not one of them goes, oh, that's a, that's a good idea. I should go over there. I don't know. Crazy. Anyway, those kiosks in the airport, same thing, right, basically? They used to be the shit. They used to not have lines. You know, now you get there and it's, I don't, it's just, I don't know what's happening. But now there's a line for that. And you get there and you get your ticket. I try to go carry on every time so I never have to check a bag. It's not me being cheap. I know a lot of airlines charge. I try to fly Delta as much as possible because that's where I rack up my frequent flyer miles with. Uh, and they don't charge for the first check bag if you're, if you're one of the frequent flyer. You know, you just sign up for the Sky Miles number. It's free. So I try to just stick with Delta. Um, but sometimes you can't do a carry-on. Sometimes you can't fly Delta. Sometimes you got to check a bag. This is what I love about checking a bag. When you walk, you got to go the one line to get your fucking... T- now, forget the kiosk. You say, all right, I'm not going to go to the kiosk because I have a bag to check. And I don't want to wait in two lines. So I'm going to go up to the desk this time. So you wait in the goddamn line to get up to the desk. You get up there. You finally get your boarding pass, your ticket, whatever. And then the lady goes, okay, now you got to go over there and stand in that line to drop your bag off. Oh, you motherfuckers, you. Why? It used to all be one line. It used to be one line. They had that little fucking auto factory conveyor belt behind them. And you went up. And they turn around and put your bag on. Some, when, when I find that, that's so rare now. When, when I see it, I'm excited. I feel like I, it's like my lucky day. You got to go stand in the other fucking line now. Drop your bag off. God damn it. That drives me crazy. Oh, that burns my ass. It's the first time I've ever used that expression in my life. Ever. Oh, it burns my ass. It's a good expression. I'm going to keep using that one. Then... Then, after all that stuff, you got to go wait in the security line. That's another goddamn line. It's just Jesus Christ. Then you get through that fucking line. Now you're in the, uh, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not going to expound on the security line thing. Everybody has talked about it. There's nothing left to say. We've heard the shoe jokes. You got to take the shoes off. We've heard the jokes about the x-ray machine thing. And the the, the far funnier people than me have made way better jokes than I could ever make. So I'm not going to waste any time on that stuff. Uh, It's been said. But you you know what I'm saying. It sucks. Uh, And sometimes it sucks in a very hilarious way because we've heard jokes about it. Uh, And they're funny jokes. You know what I mean? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. There we go. Anyway, you're through the security line. Now you got to go uh, find the gate. 
which for some reason feels like it takes for fucking ever. Every time I'm in an airport, the gate, my gate's the farthest one away. I've never gotten that gate that's right there, ever, ever. You walk, trying to find food in the airport, I swear to Christ, man. I'm telling you guys right now, you're in an airport, you need to eat, find the McDonald's. If you can eat at a McDonald's, if the, 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 if the airport has a McDonald's, use it. It is the only place that is not ass-reaming you for, 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 for over the price of the food. If I, I, can't, I can't stand those airport restaurants where they have a big menu board up, like it'll be a sandwich place, and they'll have a big menu board up, and it'll be like, you know, the Caprizi... Roma. You're like, what's that? And it's like, fresh mozzarella, tomatoes, basil, uh, thinly sliced prosciutto on a baguette. You're like, great, that sounds awesome. Can you make me one of those? And they go, oh, they're right over there. And then they point to a fucking open cooler of sandwiches that look like the ones your mom would bring to the beach when you were six to save money so she didn't have to buy water ice from the guy walking around or she didn't have to spend money like going up to the beachside pizza thing. I don't know if every beach was like that. That's how the beaches in South Jersey were. That's where we used to go. And then you got to go and get one of those sandwiches and the at, in the airport place and the fucking cheese is all, it's all like, it's, it's like, even though it's cold, it's melted because it's just been sitting there all pressed together. Remember when you were a kid and you'd take your lunch to school you finally pull your sandwich out, and it would, the cheese was like melted. It's like that. It's shit. And all the fucking tomatoes and are mush, and the lettuce is all wilted and soft and gross, and the bread has that, that weird, it's got that weird, when you leave a sandwich in a refrigerator for too long, and it's like, it's stale and it's mushy. I don't know how it's both right now, but it's both stale and mushy. And you go, fuck me, I can't believe I got to eat. That's the sandwich I got to eat right now. I got to eat that sandwich. I always think the meat tastes rotten. I know that's probably a mental thing, but like it always tastes like slightly off or something to me. I actually have gotten rotten meat out of those things before, and I've returned the sandwich. I have no shame. That happened to me recently. I got a salad with chicken on it, and a piece. Of, I got a bad bite, and it just tasted rotten. I was just like, I want my money back. I don't care. You know why I don't care? Because how fucking overpriced it is. You, 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 re- you lower yourself. You lower yourself to eating this shit sandwich. And you, and you just go, okay, fine. It's what I got to do. And you go and you buy it. And you pick $12.99 for this piece of shit. $12.99. And another $4 for fucking water. If you can find a McDonald's, oh my God, Go. McDonald's in the airport is almost the same price as his regular McDonald's. They tack on maybe an extra buck or two. Who cares? You're still making out like a fucking bandit. Ten bucks, you're living like a king at McDonald's. That's my move, man. I don't give a fuck. All these fucking people bitching about McDonald's. Oh, you know it's not meat. You know it's processed, right? Yeah, processed. Like that fucking perfectly white chicken that has spray-painted grill marks on it on top of that Caesar salad you just bought out of the fucking Aubon pan or wherever you just bought that fucking thing from? Yeah, no, that looks great. Yeah, no, no, that fucking muffin 
that 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 fucking crumb topped muffin that looked like it was created in a goddamn science lab. Yeah, no, no, that's that's way better for you. Yeah, go 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 get that thing. Go get that thing. You're right. You're right. This cheeseburger is bad for me. Shut the fuck up. I really get mad at the people that that attack McDonald's yet yet eat a Panero bread. Yeah. They get like a Caesar salad dumped onto a roll. And then they add tuna, and they're like, this is healthy. Is it? You just ate half a gallon of mayonnaise, you fucking pig. Get out of my face. I'm going to go eat French fries. It's potatoes that were dumped in oil. How bad could it be for me? Anyway, I'm digressing. Digressing. So you get your food. You find your gait. You're tired because you've been walking for what feels like miles. You've been standing for what feels like days. And you finally get to the gate. And then there's another fucking line, isn't there? There's another, there's another cock-sucking line. And it's, it's a mess because, you know, it's just, it's just, everybody just, again, funnier people have made jokes about the way everybody rushes up when they say not to do that, when they say, wait till your section gets called. Brian Regan's got a great bit about it. Uh, and by the way, Patrice isn't the best bits about like the security at the airport. If you want to hear the best stuff about that, listen to that. Seinfelds are awesome too. Um, but Brian Regan's bit is that is dead on. They they tell you to wait. They tell you not to go up till they call your group number, and everybody just goes up when they feel like going up. And it, it's just it's a shit show. And you wait in the line, and then you get onto the plane, and it takes forever because there's always some guy that's got to organize his whole entire personal space, uh, holds up the entire fucking line, and then you sit, and if you're lucky, if you're lucky, when you sit down, your kneecaps will not completely invert from the utter lack of space they're giving you, if you're lucky. And then it sucks. You don't get food on the plane anymore. They charge, it. sometimes they have stuff you can buy. The stuff you can buy is even worse than the shit that was sitting in the cooler at the sandwich place. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's tight. It just sucks. The whole thing sucks. The whole process sucks. That's the hardest part about the road to me. Honest to God. Fuck avoiding the temptation to drink every night. Fuck it's hard to eat right. Fuck any of that stuff. It's, I'm saying fuck so much because this really, honestly, it works me up. It's flying. It's the flying. It's just such a miserable process. I do the same thing, or I think the same thing, every single time I fly when I'm going to the place. We take off, and the second we're in the air, by the way, if we can get into the air, anywhere near the time we were supposed to. And good luck with that. That's a whole other thing. I always say that, you know, airline, every airline employee has the same attitude that, like, a pothead sound engineer has at a rock and roll club. They're all just like, hey, man, chill out. We'll get there when we get there, baby. It's all good, man. No, I have shit to do, you dildo. Let's, uh Anyway. When you when you finally get when we finally take off and we're in the air, I every time in my head I think 
the worst part of the trip is over. That's the worst part of the trip. And I know you got to do it all again on the way home, but on the way home is always kind of exciting because you're going home after you've been away for a few days and you're excited to get back to your stuff and everything. So it's a little more tolerable. And not that I'm not excited to get out and go on the road. I'm excited for a lot of the gigs I do. Um, And um, that sounded shitty. Hey, guys, some of the gigs you see me at, I'll want to actually be there. I don't mean it like that. I just mean like I have gigs that sometimes are so fun they feel like you're going on a vacation. I look forward to all of it. I enjoy all of it. But there's just a different comfort that comes with going home versus going away, right? So I always think that, though. We get in the air, I go, there we are. We got through the worst part of the trip. That is until the Saturday Late Show happens and there's a drunk bachelorette uh, flinging liquid at me off the top of, tip of a penis straw. Maybe that's the worst part of the trip. You know, who knows? But that's the road. Bachelorette parties. Breaking up the show because they're too drunk. People standing up and falling over in the middle of one of your bits because they're completely shit-faced. Eating crap. Sleeping late. Waking up with a sore neck because the bed isn't right. Yeah, headache, hungover, you're drunk, it's this and that. Did we move enough tickets? Did people hear about the shows? Did we have good shows? Are they going to rebook me? Is it this? Is it that? It's stressful. I'm worried. I got anxiety. You know what? It's all fucking worth it. It's all worth it. Why? Because I got the best job in the world, and I truly, truly appreciate that. And I'm going to end it on a sentimental note by saying, Thank you. Thank all of you that come out and see me wherever I perform. Thank all of you that go out and see any comedians when they perform, or musicians, or poets, or, or play people, that actors and plays. Thank you. We all thank you. You let us do the greatest thing in the world, which is live performance. And without you guys coming to see live performance, live performance can't exist. It's the best And I just can't believe I get to do it. That's it. That's the show. Another episode. Down with Joe DeRosa. Check out JoeDeRosaComedy.com where you can find this podcast and all other information that you might need to know about me, uh, such as upcoming shows and what have you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please subscribe. Download it. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate that. Um, And what can I plug? Uh, Ooh! Pre-order for the new album uh, of B-Sides from over the course of the last seven years of various recordings, various venues, comes out uh, September 2nd. It's called Mistakes Were Made. Uh, You can pre-order it now on iTunes. Um, And I will be at the Acme Comedy Club uh, sometime in August. I don't know the dates, but again, JoeDeRosaComedy.com. And I will also uh, be at the Just for Laughs Festival in Toronto in September. Uh, check my website for dates on that. Thanks so much, everybody. See you soon.